the heart, uh, the heart of the Buddha's teachings is liberation, is the sometimes called the sure heart's release. And I'm always curious for people who've been practicing or hearing teachings for a long time, and those even for a short time, uh, how you're doing in the in the uh, practice of liberation. <laughs> to really, my my wondering is is an invitation for you to inquire, for all of us to inquire into uh, into how uh, how much of the of our practice is is about finding our either material or spiritual comfort zone, how much of it is really about stepping out of our comfort zone uh, to discover, maybe sometimes even through a little bit of hardship, to discover a, um, a wider perspective, a wider view. In other words, to see beyond the narrow gravitational field of our own personal, individual drama, uh, to see, to actually directly experience and to understand intimately uh, the boundless uh, nature of our, of our being, the interdependent nature of our being, the, the fact that none of us really exists independently apart from all the, the things that influence us, all the causes and conditions of this entire world is you, is impinging you right where it's touching you right now, that not one of us really exists uh, independently in the way that we imagine ourselves to. It doesn't take anything away from personal responsibility to realize this, but how are you doing in that? Are, are you remembering, are you realizing moment by moment your place in the family of things, as I think one of the, who was the poet? Um, Mary Oliver put it. Because I think of the, the practice of awakening, uh, even, though, even though it has different streams, it's all about liberation. It's all about freedom. It's all about releasing the tightness in our heart, cutting through illusion, and unleashing uh, our passion, our love, our, our understanding, and then ultimately being, without any prompting at all, caring for, for the most difficult person, as I talked about last week, the, di- the most difficult person as though they were your, uh, your only child, having that, that wideness of heart. I guess tonight... Uh, Part of why I was thinking of this is because I, I think a lot about the streams of, of, of awakening. It's all about awakening. And the stream that we've been attending to a little bit more during this last month has been the, the stream of practice that leads to liberation through the opening of our heart, through the training of our heart to incline toward loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And the practice of extending loving-kindness 
first to ourselves, to difficult, we talked about the difficult person, and we talked about forgiveness a little bit last week, to extend our loving kindness to those who are suffering and letting our hearts quiver with compassion. All of this, all of this extending of our hearts reveals to us where we are bound, where there is a limit to our love. And tonight I was going to introduce, I'm not sure I'll get to it, but I'll just, I'll speak about it a little bit. I'm not sure we'll do any practice with it. But tonight I was going to introduce the third, what's called the third um, uh, immeasurable quality, the third divine abode, uh, the third quality that, it, that is the natural, and expre- natural expression of an awakened heart which is the quality of what's called altruistic or appreciative or sympathetic joy, that capacity to join in the good fortune and happiness of others. And this is, a, this is another way of extending our heart, of melting away the sense of isolation and separation, the illusion of isolation and separation, and unleashing that, the love that, uh, that flows when that self-illusion has been melted. And of all the, there are, remember, these four immeasurable qualities, love, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, of all the four uh, so-called Brahma-viharas, heavenly abodes, the, the, uh, the, uh, the home of the awakened, that's what heavenly abode or Brahma-vihara. Brahma means heavenly Vihara is home. Of all of the immeasurable qualities, the Brahma Viharas, this quality of extending one's uh, happiness for the good fortune of others, love for the good fortune of others, is the most difficult, believe it or not. You'd think it would be easy to say, I'm happy you're happy, which is one of the shorthand versions of, of what you would reflect on when you, when you do this practice. Or may your, may your happiness, um, may you be happy, may your happiness continue, may it increase, may it never wane. Uh, that's another version. You would think that this would be really fun, really easy to do, but it's the most difficult because our, our egoic structure, our, our, our illusory self-view is, has constantly reinforced the sense that we're in competition with others. And we so we fo- so easily fall into judgment. That's another, one thing that limits our, our sympathetic joy. We, we fall into comparing, a lot of envy, a lot of jealousy. Any of you recognize that in your, your minds? Okay. This is why this practice, uh, as one as one grows in this practice, it liberates the heart. It shows where its limitations are. And once our limitations are brought to the light of attention, they, there, is the opportunity to the, that there is the opportunity for it to melt away. And that is true for all, all the kinds of delusion, all the kinds of constriction, all the kinds of... Uh, all the places in us that... Uh, that give us the illusion that we are bound. Because it really is an illusion. There's not one person here that has ever been truly bound. Because they're, 
because whoever it is that we imagine ourselves to be, uh, that idea of our separate individuality is, is nothing more than an idea. That self. So when I ask you the question, how are you doing in the process of liberation, it's that question of who is it that's bound? Who is it that wants to get enlightened? Who is it that hears? Who is it that sees? Who is it that smells? We say, I'm smelling, I'm hearing. But what is that? What is it that thinks? Or who is it that, that feels? We say, I feel. But has anyone ever seen that I? Who is this I? And it's precisely the lack of inquiry into this, into the deepest question that there is as a human being. It's the lack of inquiry into this question that keeps us spinning in that vortex of separation, of isolation, that doesn't allow us to love well, to care well, to exchange joy well, and doesn't allow us to come into balance with, with our life. That constantly keeps us off balance. Always, as Rumi puts it, always measuring. Checkmate this, checkmate that. Always trying to see, see where I stand. And that's, and because it, because that that sense of me and mine, that sense of I is an idea, is a story. It can never find security. It can never find stability. So it is at the heart of the Buddha's teaching to, to spread our love to the point where we melt away and there is only love, or to, through moment-to-moment inquiry into the nature of reality, into this question, who am I, that we see through the self-illusion, and through that, we see through the illusion of other, and we, we arrive at the same place of love, the same place of, of freedom. Freedom from that confusion that keeps recreating in my mind and your mind the sense that there's, there's something not quite right here. I'm not quite with it. I'm not quite okay. I'm not quite where I need to be, where I want to be. And, and, then I, and because I'm not quite where I want to be, I have to figure out how I'm going to get to where I need to be. And then that whole wheel of time, it's the end of that. And we come to rest in the only place that any of us have ever lived and will ever live, is, which is where? Here. So that's why I ask you, how are you, where are you at in that question, who am I? Where are you at in the expansion of your loving kindness and your joy and your, in your compassion? Are you engaging in that? Or are you... Or are you just looking for a spiritual comfort zone or a psychological comfort zone? That's a, that's a question. That's not to judge anybody. It's not to judge ourselves. We have so, so much more practice uh, looking for comfort and trying to, trying to keep away the, the hard truths of, of suffering that melt our heart. If we, but we, we're taught to avoid it. And we're taught that, our, that the way to find stability is to have more. 
Just to see if I can link enough pleasurable moments together, then I can be happy. And all that does is it makes us more and more restless for the next experience and sorrowful about the one we just had and lost. So, unfortunately, that wheel of, of endless searching called samsara is much more practiced than looking at that, looking directly into the nature of the way our mind moves in that way, looking directly into who it is that that's happening to. Who's, who's doing all that? And who, who gets liberated? Anybody want to say who's who gets liberated? <laughs> who is it that's bound? You know, isn't that the isn't that our the 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 neon lights that our mind is just broadcasting every day? I'm bound. I'm stuck. I'm not enough. Isn't that true? But how often do we actually question that very assumption, that's that view, and how when, when that thought, if that thought was noticed, I'm bound, we'd see that that thought is just an appearance in the vast ocean of consciousness, just a, appearing and disappearing like a cloud passing through an empty sky. I'm bound. And of course, it has a physical resonance to it. It has a, there's a feel of, there's a tension that comes with the feeling I'm bound or I'm not enough or I'm too much or I got to get somewhere. There's always tension. There's a charge that comes with that. And that charge makes us feel like we're really somebody. Everybody wants it. Wasn't that the... Everybody wants to be somebody? Isn't that the... Nobody wants to be nobody? But if that somebody could just be nobody, that nobody would really be somebody. That's what the, the poem, that's the way the poem goes. But we don't, if we were able to just notice that as a, a thought and then a feeling, I'm bound, I'm not enough, we'd be liberated because we'd see that it's made up of the same, like that clear, that clear light, that Tibetan Book of the Dead passage I read a few weeks ago. If you can simply recognize the visions as made up of the same pure white light of everything else in the universe, you'll be liberated. Don't follow those visions that come through your mind, those ideas. They'll all pass in time, but if you follow them the way the teaching goes, you will wander a long time confused. So when we follow that, as, the, as Dujim Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher, says, when you follow the thought, I'm bound, there's something wrong with me, when you follow that thought, that thought spreads out into what's called ordinary thinking. We start thinking about ourselves. We start speculating and planning and strategizing. And what Dujim Rinpoche calls that the chain of delusion. We literally incarnate in the imaginary me. And then our body, our body comes along with, with all the tension that goes along with that. Our hearts get tight, and then we love ourselves, so we want some relief. So we go to healers and go to meditation retreats, go to therapists. We eat well, we do yoga, 
And all those things do bring soothing. And, but it's not until we actually question the very assumption that we started with. This is where the Buddha's teaching strikes at the root cause of all of our distress, which is this fundamental misidentification, misidentification uh, with all the various elements of our life. We call it, we make it into me and mine, and we make it real. So we have to, if we're serious at all, committed to to having that wideness of heart, as Sharon Salzberg's book entitled, Heart as Wide as the World. If we're really committed to that, then we have to look at this fundamental question, who am I? And we have to look at this thought, I am, I am bound or I am not enough. We have to hold on to, we have to look at it every single day and ask ourselves, is this true? And how do I know that? And if I don't know it actually to be true on present evidence, here and now, in the very immediacy of reality, I have to then ask myself, as Katie Byron does, or Byron Katie, she goes both ways, says, well, what do I get out of holding this view? And who would I be without it? Who would I be without the view, I'm, I'm not okay? I'm some... I'm stuck, I'm this, I'm whatever it is that you're, whatever characterization that you have landed in and are watering day in and day out that's flowering into uh, a mistaken, a, a case of mistaken identity. Is this all making any sense? So we, so I always like on a, on a Tuesday night, we can, we can experiment because we have the, we have the, the sacred power of, of community, of sangha. We have enough uh, immediacy, enough of the aliveness that comes when, a fl- when people flock together to, on, in real time, look at the nature of this, uh, of this view that we are bound, this thought, I'm not okay, or whatever it is, whatever thought you're saying to yourself, whatever you're big issue is that you think is keeping you bound in your life. We can look at it directly in real time. We can be like Duja Rinpoche has said, if you can if you can simply see this thought as it arises, like the William Blake poem and and let it fly and you'll live in eternity sunrise. If you can see that so what we need to do in order to actually experiment with this idea is take whatever that central thought is that you tend to land in more than any other thought about yourself. Or we can maybe just take, take some composite version, like, I am not okay. Does that one seem pretty universal? Or I, it should, it, it's generally, I'm not as okay as I should be. But we can forget the should be part. And we'll just stick for a few moments with the I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Y- you can even hear these words, I am not okay. It's not that big a deal. But if that goes unnoticed in our mind, 
it it's slippery it's 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 uh, it's got adhesive connected to it it easily becomes becomes a uh, a magnet for proliferation for more thoughts more reinforce more more reinforcements more a bigger case for the for the for the self-prosecution. But if it's noticed, we can see what this thought is really made of. And we can see what our experience is immediately prior to this thought or at the root of this thought. Because once this thought, we go outward with this thought, this thought will usually lead us into into sometimes the necessary questioning of how did i get to how did i get to think of myself so poorly or so how did i get such a negative view or such a limited view of myself who taught to me that way who was it was it mom was it dad and we can learn lots of tools tools to work with that we can say when we hear that thought go through our head we can start to reflect okay that was dad his name was george and I can say, every time I see that thought in my mind, I can say, thank you, George, thank you for sharing, or Gertrude, or whatever the mom is. And those critical voices, they usually reflect one parent. So we can learn a lot from, from studying the psychology of it, the etiology, how we came to, to experience ourselves as limited and bound, how we fell into that illusion. Or we can look at the very nature of that thought alone and be liberated right here, at least for a moment, until we fall into confusion again. But for tonight, we'll just look at the thought, I'm I'm not okay. And instead of going into the history of it, we'll look at what it's made, what it's, what we, whether it's true or not, in real time. Please, Jim. Maybe you should have the microphone. Could somebody take Jim the microphone so everybody can hear? Otherwise, it's... And even with the microphone, you have to speak up. Thank you. Appreciate it. Am I audible? Um, so for the longest time, I've, I've heard this uh, share from you, this talk, and I have <laughs> same old talk. <laughs> well, well, the, the variations, but but what I've made up about it is that this required a leap of faith on my part that I am not who I think I am, right? Or I'm not myself. But what I'm hearing tonight, maybe for the first time, is that this is a, an inquiry, and this is one of the things that the Buddha taught was inquiry and a, and a requirement of meditation. And it almost seems like an antidote, maybe, to the stories in my head that I'm not enough or that I'm bound or, or all that. Am, am I getting that right? Is that yes, what you're it, teaching it, right now? All meditation is an inquiry. It's a study of the mind. Even in the Zen tradition, you have Dogen saying, to study the Buddha is to study the self. To study the self is to see through the self or to forget the self. To forget the self is to be awakened by all things. So it's to study. It's to it's to observe carefully. So it the sounds like I mind. don't have to buy it yet, 
<laughs> you don't have to but, buy but anything. Buy anything. The whole point. But the of, point is to have inquiry and the, to ask. And the point is to have an inquiry, and the point is to have realization, direct realization, and the and the point is to develop faith, not because you believe it or buy it, <laughs> or but because you realized it on, oh. in real time. Okay. And that's all of the training of practice teaches us to to be able to apply this amazing intelligence, this amazing observing power to realize the true nature of our hearts. Okay, and so I, I'll make this my last question. So I make up that during this, this inquiry, um, I'll be connecting to myself, I'll be practicing meditation, and my heart will open with time more and more. I, before yeah. I get to that place of realization, because well, I'm thinking I'm, that might be a way out. But I'm asking, you, I, I'm asking you tonight, rather than wait to see your practice unfold over time, that's, right. that's also something, but to, but to look into it directly tonight. Okay, I'm willing. Don't postpone for one moment the possibility of being free any moment. Okay. So that's why we... <laughs> so if you take the thought tonight... It, where that came from. Okay. If you Thank leave you. now, you miss the secret teachings... <laughs> so we take the thought I'm not okay or some variation of or I could be better that's a good one I could be better now I could be better still has that implicit view that I'm not quite enough David Take the take. Instead of being enough or uh, defining I am, myself, I'm suffering. I am suffering. Okay, I am so experiencing the same suffering thing. Or same there thing. Is suffering. I am suffering. So we'll take it. I am suffering. That's that's that would be a composite of of every version of I'm not okay as well. So we take the thought, I am suffering. Really hold on to that thought, whatever your version is. Just hold on to it. Let it resonate with, your, with the felt experience. Really land in the sense, I am suffering. And then let's take this thought that has this resonance to it. Let's take the thought and look to see what this thought is made of. It seems so real and compelling. In fact, the teachings are saying everybody suffers. So you can see there's a very different, there's a big difference between adopting a view about life and actually experiencing it directly, even suffering, especially suffering. So I am suffering is our, is our cherished view. I'm not enough. I could be better. I'm, I'm suffering in some way. So I'm suffering. So let's really look at that in real time and what happens when we go to the root of that thought. Because really, all that is is a thought. I'm suffering. It's made up of three words. I am suffering. And all we have to do to change the whole scenery is remove the word suffering for one moment. And, stay, and what are we left with? I am. So now let's just hang out for a moment with I am. I am. And just let that resonate for a moment. I am. 
So even, even I am suffering, even though it, you may think you're telling the truth, I'm suffering. When you say I'm suffering, you're describing your situation, you're describing the past. The last moment, or the last week, or the last year, the last month, or a projection about, of worry about how it could be. But in real time, as we're exploring tonight, if we just take off the word suffering, we're left with I am, right? And how does that feel? Anybody willing to say how I am feels? Feels better already, doesn't it? So while we're at it, let's just remove the am. And we're just left with I. Everybody makes such a big deal about I. I is ultimately, as you'll feel right now, I is not a problem. I is just a locator. What's the real problem is, is I'm this and I'm that. And then the belief of it. And then this, the proliferation of, of uh, reinforcements about that idea. So let's just stay with the feeling of I for a moment. And just let it resonate through your whole being because you're now in this... Now that you've, you've found that center point, if you're really at the place of I, just stay with I. And, and now I want to invite you to uh, and reassure you that you can pick it up in a, in a, a second later. Don't worry about it. You can pick it right back up. But for just a moment... Let go of the eye. And don't give rise to any idea about yourself or past, future. Just remove the eye. And notice what, what's experienced. prior to this thought, I am suffering. What's left? Anybody willing to say? Just awareness. Just awareness. Anything else you notice? Breath. Breath. Spaciousness. Spaciousness, somebody said? All? All. All. What's that? Less burden. Less burden. Yeah, where's the suffering? What my eyes might be seeing. What your eyes might be seeing. So what's entering this different doors of perception? Where's the suffering? Where's the evidence that you're bound? Where's the evidence that you need to become liberated? So even the whole notion of liberation is another illusion. You were never bound to begin with. You only imagined that you were. And this is what the Buddha saw under the Bodhi tree. He said, through many births and the wandering on, seeking but not finding the maker of this house of I, O house builder, you've been seen. You shall not build another house again. Now, he was able to say that because he, was, he saw it with such clarity. He says, O house builder, you've been seen.
You shall not build another house again. Your rafters are broken. The ridge pole destroyed, which means delusion, ignorance, the defilements gone. Ridge pole destroyed. The mind gone to the unconditioned, to liberation, it's come. Now, there's not one person here that is more than a split second, a half breath from freedom at any one moment. That's why we have to keep our eye on the prize, keep our attention to all the various um, various um, illusions that we fall into. To keep asking that question if we have to, who's suffering? Where is the sufferer? Who's hearing? Who's smelling? Who's tasting? Because conventionally speaking, I'm thinking this, I'm feeling that, you're feeling this. But meditatively, meditative inquiry, we even question the very sense of I, me, and mine. And if we see through that illusion of self, in that silence, in that spaciousness, in that peace, in that fullness, was there any other here? Was there any self? Was there any other? It was just interbeing. And this doesn't deny our individuality at all, but we see that at the root of even, even our sense of individuality is this deep connection. So how can I not love you? How can you not love me? Or each, how can we not love each other in, that, in the silence? Now, of course, it's a little harder to, to maintain that that boundlessness in the face of oppression, in the face of, of all the ways that people are not so nice. But we keep, that's why we keep practicing. We keep practicing so the heart, our heart just doesn't shut anymore. We no longer fall into that us and them, me against the world, victim, perpetrator, all these, all the dualities. And we just keep working it, working it, working it. Because at the root of everything, we're all free. And it's a matter of realizing that. And that's why we practice, to just keep brushing the dust of confusion so that we really uh, come and live in the reality of our freedom. Please, take the microphone if you can. That's okay, please. Go ahead, please. I think that suffering is not always an illusion. Say that again. Suffering is not always an illusion. And we have, seems to me, we have more and more of it, just even in our own city, so much of it. And some people really are making others suffer a lot. Yes. And they have more. It seems to me like there are power relationships. Yes, there's all, everything you describe, everything you describe is about our, is about countless, all of our situations. But each person that you're describing, in each situation, that person, if, if that, each person has within them that capacity of freedom. And that every single, every single person, no matter what kind of power dynamic, what kind of victimization, every person at their root is intimately connected to one another. So the more we realize that, the more, the more all we can do is 
all we could ever want to do is, is, love, those, is love that person up, is do everything we can to, to help their situation, to do everything we can to join when, in, with somebody when they're feeling great, to, to have our heart break when they're, when they're not doing so great. Because we know at the root we are, there's no separation here. So it, none of this, none of this, it's not about denying the relative suffering, the suffering of our, our situation, but it's trying to see that the, how suffering gets generated through this case of mistaken uh, illusory separateness. And for people who come to practice, they want to see through that self-illusion so they can be effective at helping the world. Not to just, it's not about uh, turning a blind eye. It's about liberating your, your own heart so that you liberate everyone. Anyway, I sorry. I, I'll just say the last thing. Please. I, just, I feel like some people who have tremendous amount of privilege, perhaps, and we all can have our different yes. levels of privilege in different ways, but um, it seems to me a justification for their, their behavior for them to tell themselves, I'm okay, because what they're doing is not okay. Yes. And I think I, I agree they, wholeheartedly. they're not suffering very much. And That's what you think. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a different sort than perhaps being evicted and being on the street. And, no doubt about you know, it. There's, the suffering of the angst. Of there's, the, there's a great well, suffering in different. the shroud of privilege as right. well. But, of course, it doesn't appear but that it way. it just seems to be a justification. Like, well, I'm okay. I'm just going to keep going the way I am because I'm actually all right. Yeah. When it's actually not okay. So I, you, you won't get any disagreement from me. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I guess I'm... I, I, see, I, what you're saying is not in conflict with what I'm saying at all. But we, it may be a longer conversation that we can't have. But I appreciate you speaking up. Um, can I say something? Please speak up when you use it. So um, I, I know, you know what suffering is about. We all know what suffering is about, one way or another. And I, and I don't think that the teachings of the Buddha were to say that, that suffering is ever going to go away. We, we kind of have a different relationship with it. And yes, those who use power over others, they, they don't realize the kind of suffering that they're in because they think they have everything they need. And, and that's where all those layers and layers of the delusions that's right. come in. And, Thank you. And uh, I think that the people who are suffering and the people who are out on the street probably are closer to the reality of what the truth is if they're able to I don't know what's the way to say it not that it's going to that, that their suffering their physical suffering is going to go away but but they're able to get deeper into their hearts if they're willing to do that that's well kind said. of been my experience thank you thank you well all of this is meant to invite you to look into the nature of your own hearts and minds and uh, if you if you uh, if you have a little taste of what your experience is prior to your ideas then uh, try to develop some confidence in that it's not you just it, there was no trick involved here there was just a momentary 
removal of your cherished notions, your habitual views, and and as far as I've never, I've yet to meet one person in the span of my life that has, as a result of seeing through the self-illusion, has become more isolated and separate and cut off, more shrouded by their understanding. I've, to a person, every single person that I have met who, whose heart has softened, who's come out of the tangle of, of fear and misidentification, has become uh, increasingly more passionate and caring about all beings and, and healing injustice wherever they see it. So, it, so your caring just expresses your, your liberation, your uh, knowing in your heart that you don't exist separately from, from people in all the different circumstances. Your practice, I would say, would be to uh, make sure that you don't put the privileged out of your heart uh, or don't put those who appear uh, as the other to you uh, out of your heart. And, uh, and I know you didn't ask for my opinion or advice, but, but to, uh, to, to wherever it is that we see other is a place where our own heart is tight and shrouded. So we, we all just keep, keep doing our own practice. Loving kindness, joy, compassion, and seeing through that self-illusion over and over again. We actually, actually need to call it a night. I appreciate you staying after 9 o'clock. So let's just sit quietly for one moment. So if you've had any sense tonight of of the melting away of, of separateness, you, you will know that, that our practice, even in this small privileged condition here, uh, has an impact. And we like to just uh, accentuate that by considering if there's been any blessings, any goodness, any merit, any fruits to our being together, that we share it uh, with volition, with, with an active intention that all beings can, can have happiness in their lives and the causes of happiness increasing, that all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, that all beings can recognize their primordial freedom, their innermost nature, that sacred happiness that's without sorrow here and now, and that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet joys and sorrows without landing in erroneous self-views, without falling into reactivity. And a deep wish that our practice here and every day uh, can be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be free. So you can pick up the eye again if you like. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.